way too high. So we are a light night tonight, very light night. Um, but that's all right. Um, we will still go through the word. We'll still do what we need to do, uh, hear from God, and uh, have a good time. So uh, I'm going to pray. Uh, it will not be the last time that I pray <laughs> uh, through this service. So I'll probably do it a couple of times throughout this time. But let's pray. Uh, Father God, um, I humbly sit before you. Um, uh, you've called me as an elder to teach, Lord. And, and so um, that's what I'm here to do. Uh, but I pray that it would be your word that gets spoken tonight, Lord. I pray that uh, those who are here would hear from you. Those who hear it later uh, through the podcast would um, hear from you and not from me, not from my own desires, not from my own heart, um, but hear directly from you. Um, thank you for how you're going to move and work. I pray that uh, we will find clarity in your scripture um, and that uh, the issues that surround me and my speaking ability and my concerns uh, would be uh, pushed to the side and that your glory will shine through. And so we thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen. So who was here last week? All right. Most of you guys were here last week. Good. Um, this past week in community groups, we talked about uh, most of the conversation actually surrounded around forgiveness. And so um, I wanted to stop there right before we jumped into this week's lesson. And um, I wanted to uh, talk with you guys a little bit about forgiveness. Uh, we had a great case study presented to us in our community group that we got to walk through, which was really awesome um, to see how the gospel plays out in forgiveness with those surrounding us. Um, so um, that was really awesome. I'm going to read Acts 7, 57 through 60. This is actually the stoning of Stephen. Um, and I wanted to uh, bring out again um, what he says at the end of this section. So Acts 7 uh, verses 57 through 60. Uh, it says here, then they screamed at the top of their voices, covered their ears and together rushed against him. They threw him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They were stoning Stephen as he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And saying this, he fell asleep. Um, and we were talking at community groups and, and I had to say, like, if someone picks up a stone and gets ready to throw it at me. Either I'm going to pick one up and throw it back at him or um, I'm going to run or, or try and dodge the stones. My first response is not to forgive. Um, and as I was thinking about that and I was reading scripture and so forth, I wanted to start this week um, just with a time of reflection and a time of prayer for each one of us, uh, because forgiveness is huge. I posted an article on our Facebook page um, by a radio host who uh, believes that you shouldn't just forgive. Uh, there's reasons why you don't have to forgive. There's reasons why you shouldn't forgive all of those things. And I, I, each of you should actually go read it. It was actually appalling, uh, the things that she was saying to her, her listeners about forgiveness. Um, and and it, I, the reality hit me that, that we as the church have got to model forgiveness properly. 
modeling forgiveness property is actually an example of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how much God has forgiven us, and, um, and so forth. So I just wanted to read a verse uh, for us, and it's Colossians 3.13. That's again, it's Colossians 3.13. And it says, but even tempered, be even tempered, content with second place, quick to forgive an offense, forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. It says forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. There were a couple of things she said in the article that um, don't quite line up with what scripture says. Uh, one of the things that she said was to this lady about her mother, was that her mother wasn't nice to her, wasn't kind to her, didn't really love her. So why should she forgive her and love her mother? Why should she feel guilt about doing that? Anyone that tells her she should forgive her mother uh, shouldn't tell her to do so because that's not the way that she gets past uh, the way that her mom handled the situation with her. Um, and so I wanted us to sit for a few minutes and re just reflect over the past weeks, months, years, um, and think about the different situations that we've been through. And is there, is there, could there be someone that uh, we're holding on to something that we really shouldn't be holding on to? Um, is there, is there forgiveness that needs to be given? Do you need to spark up a conversation with someone um, and just say, hey, listen, uh, this happened. I've been holding on to this. I wanted to let you know. Um, give them an opportunity to ask for forgiveness. Give them an opportunity for you to forgive them and, and um, model the gospel well through forgiveness. So I'm going to give us some time to reflect um, on, on our lives. I'm going to pray at the end of that, and then we'll dive into this week's uh, lesson. So I'll give us that time. Father God, there are a number of situations, a number of names, a number of people um, in our lives that some unbeknownst to them have wronged us. Um, some maliciously have wronged us. Some um, just have done things that, that didn't sit well with us. So I pray even now for each one of us, Lord, that we would be quick to forgive and to forgive completely like you have forgiven us. You have forgiven us so much, Lord. Uh, and you didn't shy away from doing that in our lives. So, Lord, we say thank you for forgiving us. And may you be pushing us towards uh, forgiving those uh, who harm us or hurt us, Lord. And uh, thank you for that. Thank you for your gift of love uh, in that. In your name we pray. Amen. So, uh, 
as I was reading through uh, this passage for this week, there's a lot of interesting things that piqued my piqued my personal interest. Uh, and one of those things is sorcery and and wizardry and all of those things, magicians and so forth. Uh, and so uh, this passage actually was a, a quite interest, a pretty good interest for me. What I'm going to do, though, is I'm going to switch Bible versions really quick here, and I'm actually going to read this section of scripture in the message, because I think the message conveys uh, this story in a way that the other versions of the Bible doesn't, um, and I think it'll help us track along. So bear with me. It is verse 4 through 25, so it's a lengthy section of scripture. I will try my best to read as clearly as possible uh, this section of scripture. And so in the message, Acts 8, verses 4 through 25. So this is this takes place right after Stephen is stoned. Um, and actually, I'll go back to verse one, um, because it says that um, that the stoning of Stephen set off a terrible persecution of the church in Jerusalem. The believers were all scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. All that is but the apostles Good and brave men buried Stephen, giving him a solemn funeral. Not many dry eyes that day. And Saul just went wild, devastating the church, entering house after house after house, dragging men and women off to jail. Forced to leave home base, the followers of Jesus all became missionaries. Wherever they were scattered, wherever they were scattered, they preached a message about Jesus going down to Samaritan to the to a Samaritan city. Philip proclaimed, proclaimed the message of the Messiah. When the people heard what he had to say and saw the miracles, the clear signs of God's action, they hung on his every word. Many who could many who could neither stand nor walk were healed that day. The evil spirits protested loudly as they were sent on their way and with joy in the city. Previously to Philip's arrival, a certain Simon had practiced magic in the city, posing as a famous man and dazzling all the Samaritans with his wizardry. He had them all, all, from little children to old men, eating out of his hand. They all thought he had supernatural powers and called him the great wizard. He had been around a long time and everyone was more or less in awe of him. But when Philip came to town announcing the news of God's kingdom and proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ, they forgot Simon and were baptized, becoming believers right and left. Even Simon himself believed and was baptized. From that moment, he was like Philip's shadow. So fascinated with all the good, all the God signs and miracles that had that he wouldn't leave Philip's side. When the apostles in Jerusalem received the report that Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John down to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. Upon this point, they had only been baptized up to this point. They had only been baptized in the name of the master, Jesus. The Holy Spirit hadn't yet fallen on them. Then the apostles laid their their hands on them, and they did receive the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the apostles, by merely laying hands, conferred the Spirit, he pulled out his money, excited, and said, Sell me your secrets. Show me how you did that. How much do you want? Name your price. Peter said, 
to hell with you and your money. Why? That's unthinkable. Trying to buy God's gift, you'll never be a part of what God is doing by striking bargains and offering bribes. Change your ways and now ask the master to forgive you for trying to use God to make money. I can see this in an old I can see that this is an old habit with you. You reek with money lust. Simon said, Oh, pray for me. Pray to the master that nothing like that will ever happen to me. And with that the apostles were on their way, continuing to witness and spread the message of God's salvation, preaching in every Samaritan town they passed through on their return to Jerusalem. So that's tonight's uh, scripture passage. And so there's a couple key points that I wanted to pull out of this passage for tonight. Uh, You have two men here. You have Philip and you have Simon. Both of them uh, are in this town. Both of them became well known in this town, became well known for two different things. And so I wanted to to walk through both of them and, and just talk about the things that they became well known for and why. Uh, they became well known for them. So first we have Philip. And so Philip's section of that is actually uh, verses four through eight. And I'll read that. I'm reading from the H. Uh, Holman Christian Study Bible. And that says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the message there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with, for with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many, were par- many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And so you see Philip. Philip shows up in town, um, and in a few minutes, Philip does what Philip does. Philip starts preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. This is a new town to Philip. Philip is coming from Jerusalem. They're being pushed out because Saul is running wild, trying to kill trying to murder, trying to lock up the Christians. So Philip moves on to, um, to Samaria, to a city in Samaria. He's preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people. And these people are not only hearing, they're seeing the miracles that are happening, and they are believing. And then you see great joy came on the city. And so I was thinking about our, our church and how God has placed us in Glassboro for these number of years. And I said, well, well, is there a great joy in this city? Uh, where is the great joy in this city? If not, how do we accomplish uh, getting to a point where there's great joy in this city? And I looked at Philip and I said, well, wait a minute. He only thing that he's doing is preaching the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people. And they're hearing it and they're, they're seeing what's changing in other people's lives. They're seeing the miracles that are happening and they're believing. And so I had to say to myself, you know what? A new park, a Tony Luke's and a Chickie and Pete's, new buildings, all of those things do not create great joy. New apartments, new people coming into the town, new officials, all of those things do not create great joy. The only true way for Glassboro to have great joy, to see true joy, uh, is to see it through the eyes of the good news of the gospel of Jesus, tri- Jesus Christ. So that puts the ownership on us. Um, us and all 36, 37, 38 
other churches in this community to be out and about preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be moving. All these people are scattered. They became missionaries where they're going. As we're going, the focus should be the gospel of Jesus Christ, speaking that clearly. Um, I made mention to our community group um, this past week, and I, I personally thought it was a really good community group and, and got a lot out of it. Uh, but uh, there was a moment in our community group where um, we were capable of walking through a situation and saying, Here's actually what the gospel is for this situation. Here's gospel truth about what should happen in this situation. But this is there's an injustice being happening. Truth is not being spoken. And here's how this happens. The gospel is right here. So the gospel needs to be spoken to this person. So that way this person can then present it well with truth from the scripture. Um, and, and that just that just helped me to see that as we're going um, as we're in our town this year, as we start moving towards our event season, our movie nights, all of those things, we'd be remiss if we were just out there handing out pizza and food and all of those things. That if each of us were not opening our mouths to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, we'd be remiss. We wouldn't really be doing, um, and, and honestly, we wouldn't be helping our city get to great joy, to see great joy of, of things that are happening in it. So that's Philip. Philip's new to the town. Philip uh, preaches the good news of the gospel of, of Jesus Christ. Uh, Philip is, uh, as he's talking to these people, they're hearing what he's saying. They're seeing the miracles that are happening. They're believing. Um, and great joy is starting to come upon this city. So then we bump into Simon. Simon the sorcerer. Simon the wizard. Simon the magician. Who, uh, who has been, uh, has a great following. Young and old in this town. And so let's read about Simon. Simon's verse 11, verses 11, 9 through 11. So verses 9 through 11 say, Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. So here's what Simon was doing in this town. Simon was amazing the people with sorcery, doing magic tricks, doing all these things, and the people were eating it up. Um, when there's nothing else going on in the city, why not? This is cool. This is something awesome. Um, he was boasting about how great he was. And he had, honestly, he was doing magic tricks and all these other things. You can say whatever you want. If you've got the following, you you see people and people are following you, you can say, hey, I'm great. Here's why I'm great, because I'm doing these tricks, I'm doing these things. Um, the people gave him their attention. They gave his gave them his full their full attention. They called him the great power of God. Um, I had some issues with that phrase uh, because these people are pretty much being manipulated into believing the things that Simon is doing is actually the things from God. Uh, and, and that there's a problem there. There's a major, major problem there. There's, there's a huge lack of truth uh, going on with that. And they trusted him because he had been doing it for so long. He was, he was their thing. He was their spiritual connection. He was their sorcerer. He was the person that was doing magic um, for these people. That's Simon. Um, nowadays, we, we see some of these things around us. Uh, we see them in our movies, some great movies out there. 
um, with all types of magic and sorcery and so forth. Um, there are some great movies out there, great shows and all of those things. But um, I don't know personally how much I've seen of sorcery and wizardry in my personal life day to day. It's probably there. I probably just don't know about it. Um, but there are people who are, are walking around uh, dabbling in some things that I, I don't believe that they should. Uh, but again, um, these things can present themselves as gospel truth and people can follow them and believe them as gospel truth, which is why these people are calling him the great power of God. So you have Philip, who's new to the town. You have Simon, who's been here for a long time, established a following, established all these things, and people are following him. Philip steps into the town and starts presenting the gospel of Jesus Christ. People are hearing, people are seeing, people are believing, and they're starting to slide away from Simon. And Simon's starting to feel the pressure. And so verse 12 in this uh, section of scripture says, But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. And so the gospel's starting to win in this town, win over the years that Simon has had control over these people, been doing magic tricks and all of these things. Um, and, and so the, the gospel's winning. So then we read verses 13 through 19, and this is about Simon's belief. And so we're going to go through and see what we actually see and hear from Simon and see what type of belief Simon has in this. So Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. So, said that Simon believed. But what is actually Simon believing in right now? Because I don't think I'm hearing Simon's believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the good news. Um, I have my own ideas of what I think Simon sees or believes. Here's Simon who established a business in a town. He's doing very well with it. All the people from kids to adults are buying into his sorcery, to his magic, all of these things. In walks Philip one day and people just start shifting automatically towards the gospel of Jesus Christ and all of those things. And so Simon says, well, wait a minute, there's some competition. There's some competition here. I'm losing my hold on these people. So Simon's, uh, for lack of a better term, dusty old business is going away. He's losing it. He's, he's losing grips with it. Uh, and so Simon says, okay, great. I'll just do some market research. I'll start researching, find out what these people are about, pretend like I'm going to join them. Um, and so Simon slides in there and says, yeah, I believe this stuff. Yep. And he's starting to follow, follow the signs, following the wonders, astonished at the activity that's going on. But we don't hear of Simon believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We only hear of Simon following the action. And then one point when Peter and John 
uh, lay hands on people and start, um, they start receiving the Holy Spirit. Simon says, okay, got it. Now I know how this works. I know exactly what this is. I'm going to offer them money, offer to buy them out so that they can just leave my town and go away. And so Simon's belief is not quite in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though he said, yeah, I believe this stuff. Even though he was baptized, his belief is not quite in the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want to stop really quick because I don't want to um, smooth over uh, the Holy Spirit part of of this. And in this in this section, it says that these people had not received the Holy Spirit yet. Um, and what I found quite ironic was um, how Christ's church is family and how Christ tries to connect his church everywhere they are and every in every way. So you have the apostles Peter and John, who are staying still in Jerusalem, who are still fighting uh, against Saul, who's trying to kill the, the Christians and lock them up and all of those things. And you have Philip, who comes out of that and goes down to Samaria and starts preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so when they heard the message of those things going on, they said, oh, let's go down and meet our new brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's actually go pray for them. Let's pray that, that God gives them the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be revealed and, and, and given to them. Um, and what I thought was really cool was that they're in Jerusalem. Philip's down in Samaria. And here's the church coming together. And at the church coming together is when the Holy Spirit fell on um, the Samaritan people. See, it's, it is God and the Holy Spirit that connects, that connects his churches that connects brothers and sisters to in Christ together. That's, that's where the connection is. If it wasn't for God and the Holy spirit, we would not be connected. We would not have an eternal hope an eternal future. We wouldn't have any of those things. It's, it's because of that, that we can talk to each other, that we can associate with each other. We can do all of those things because of the Holy spirit and God in us. And so I wanted to stop there for a minute. I thought it thought it was quite interesting that as John and Peter showed up in Samaria. Then the Holy Spirit was given um, and connected those two groups together. So back to Simon, who is uh, trying to buy his competitor out, uh, trying to buy the gospel of Jesus Christ, trying to buy laying on of hands, trying to spend money on those things, and then enters Peter's rebuke. And Peter's rebuke is verses 20 through 23. And Peter answered, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or, sh or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. And so Peter, hearing the crazy thing that just came out of Simon's mouth about buying the Holy Spirit and being the ability to touch people and give them the spirit, uh, he challenges Simon's belief. And he says, I don't think you're really a part of us. I don't think you're really a part of what we're doing here. I think you have some other underlying thing that you're trying to do. And that's starting to come out here. So he challenges that. He challenges Simon's idols, the idols in his life of money, of the business and of all of these things, of the sorcery and, and the, the wizardry. He's challenging those idols and saying, you know what? Uh, 
May those things be your silver be destroyed. May these things be destroyed in your life and you along with it, because obviously you're not you're not understanding. You're not seeing what's going on. And then he calls for him to repent. Um, and he says, uh, change, change your ways. Turn away from turn away from this craziness. This this is not good. Um, he calls for him to do those do those things. Um, so he challenges him in his belief. He challenges him uh, in his idols and he challenges him to repent. And so then Simon has a simple response. And uh, Simon's response um, is not quite the response of someone who is hears what was said and repents. Uh, it's someone who says, uh, I think I still want to hold on to some of these things that I have. And so in verse 24, you see Simon's response. And it says, then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Well, if I'm challenged or we're challenged in our idolatry and we're challenged with, hey, this doesn't line up with the gospel truth that's being spoken around you. And we say, well, OK, well, you pray that the bad things don't happen to me or you pray, not even I'll pray, you pray that these bad things don't happen to me. I don't think that we fully get or we would fully understand. Um, and here's Pete. I mean, here's Simon, who's just saying, uh, pray for me. Pray against these bad things happening. Pray against those things. Not pray that God would soften my heart, that I'd hear, that I'd be able to make adjustments, that all of those things. It was pray against these things. And so the apostles from there, they get back to being about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't really uh, respond to him anymore about about those things. They, they've admonished him. They've rebuked him and, and they move on. And in verse 25, it says, after they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. And so they got back to the work. They got back to the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They got back to doing what they're doing um, and kind of left, left Simon to be, be there uh, with himself. And so we see here um, that the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, Philip is sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Simon, who has some reason why he's around, why he's doing what he's doing, um, but not quite connecting with the gospel of Jesus Christ, says he believes, says he understands, but there, there's a disconnect. Um, the gospel wins out. Um, churches are united and uh, there's a rebuke and Simon still doesn't get it. Um, and so true to form for me, um, I am finished, but I had some questions, I had some food for thought questions. Um, and, and that is, uh, we've been here for around five years. There's been a number of people who have been with us, there's been a number of people who have been with us and have left. Um, there's a couple new people who have joined us. And, uh, the question that I have of myself and each one of us is why, why are we here? What's the reason that we're here? Um, am I here because, um, to, my friends are here. This is what I know. Am I here because, um, this is comfortable. This is what I've gotten used to. This is life for me. Am I here, um, because this is a role that God has placed on my life. Am I here, um, to speak the gospel truth to 
uh, everyone I come in, come in contact with. Uh, why am I here? Am I, am I more like Simon? Is there other re- underlying reasons outside the gospel of Jesus Christ as to why I'm here? Some more underlying reasons why each one of us are here outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are we are we trying to accomplish something uh, other than other than God's gospel? Uh, are, there, are there areas that we could be more Philip-esque, more like John, more like Peter, um, and be about the gospel of Jesus Christ with each other? Uh, that's not an easy thing. Being about the gospel of Jesus Christ with each other means that we get to confront. That means we get to uh, forgive. That means we get to ask for forgiveness. That means we get to call out sin. That means we get to carry your each other's burdens. That means we get to lift each other up. That means we get to cry with each other uh, when, when, when we're mourning. That means we get to celebrate with each other when we're celebrating. That's a lot. That's family. That that's That's a lot. And so... As we respond, spend some time uh, thinking and praying. Um, are, are we here? Are you here for the right reasons? Are you here for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are the works that we do in town um, as, as we're out, um, or are we just painting faces? Are we just making balloon animals? Or have we actually tried to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ? Um, have we have we actually talked to the person that sits at the desk, desk next to us, teacher that's up the hallway, the construction worker that we build stuff with, the person that uh, is in our classroom? Have we actually attempted to engage them with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we being about the gospel? Um, that's the only way true joy comes to a city. That's the only way true joy comes to our lives. That's the only way true joy comes to our church. Uh, the only way for true joy is if we all are about the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and what that means for, for each one of us. So spend some time in, in prayer. Um, I'm going to play for a little bit and I'm going to let Emily and Krista spend some time in prayer also. And then when they're ready, they'll come join us. We'll sing sing our way out. I also wanted to add in there, too. Uh, we don't do well at um, giving here at, at MD. I 